This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 649 with Neil Williams. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 649. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Neil Williams is a master certified life and productivity coach, host of the Unbusy Your Life podcast and creator of the Unbusy Entrepreneur Mastermind. Only after ditching her own belief that success was measured by the number of hours worked, was Neil able to achieve true lifestyle freedom while juggling her roles as mom, wife, master certified coach, entrepreneur, and employee. Now she helps two busy, high-achieving online entrepreneurs simplify their schedules to 30 hours or less a week for more time and lifestyle freedom. Oh my goodness, we're all like, how do we do that? (laughs) How do us two busy, high-achieving folks simplify our schedules to 30 hours or less a week? Well, Neil is here to share. So listen in to hear Neil share how she scaled her corporate job from 60 hours a week to 30 hours a week why she set a goal to quit working overtime hours after proudly being the employee with the most overtime hours for quite a while, how to negotiate cutting work hours without cutting your salary, the two questions you should ask if you want to work fewer hours, the powerful difference between making a to-do list versus a done list. I loved this tip, by the way, how to shift your mindset around productivity and what you can get done in shorter timeframes, why she thinks productivity is an outdated concept that needs to be rethought. Amen. 
why scheduling is a self-care tool, also amen, how traditional jobs reinforce mom guilt and unnecessary busyness and how the pandemic massively compounded this and how to catch yourself when you're worrying about someone's reactions to you. Oh, this conversation, I could have talked to Neil for hours. I got so fired up during this conversation. She did too. We had some great synergy. I know you are going to walk away with this from this conversation with some actionable items and just some mindset shifts that will immediately help you evolve how you think about productivity and busyness and work and scheduling and how you can make all those things work in your favor instead of feeling like they're constantly working against you. So please join me in welcoming Neil Williams to the Shameless Mom Academy. Neil, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here for this conversation. As I mentioned to you in our pre-interview, anytime Angie Trueblood sends someone my way, I get real excited. So thank you and shout out to Angie for connecting us. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Totally. Thanks, Angie. (laughs) Yes, yes. We love Angie. So can you tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now? Yes. So I have left the corporate world officially. I am the full-time entrepreneur at this point, although I've never worked full-time in my business, nor do I ever plan to work full-time in the traditional sense inside of my business. I love it. And for me, that is like, depending on where I'm at, anywhere between a 15 to 25 hour work week, that is kind of like my full-time level in terms of the amount of time that I spend, but I have a very, very full-time business And so I'm really excited that I am able to create such an amazing high level business in, but keeping my work week very, very consolidated. And I'm super excited that I'm also able to teach other coaches how to be able to do this same thing. I love that. I feel like you're kind of living the dream. You're living the dream that every entrepreneurial, especially every entrepreneurial mom sets out to do where we're like, if I could just do something like during school hours, or I could just do something that like accommodates my schedule in a certain way, but it can take decades. And I say this as someone who's been an entrepreneur for 19 years, it can take decades to get to that point. So congratulations and huge high five to you because that's really (laughs) impressive. I think I had a little bit of an advantage, honestly, in doing that because that is, I got my start in my corporate job, which was learning how to scale back that crazy 60 mm-hmm. to 80 hour work week back to 30 hours. And once I did it there, then I was like, okay, then if I did a business, there's no way I would go back to that work week, which I think is what happens to a lot of people. They work the same way in their day job, in their business as they did in their day job, because they just don't know the difference. So for me, at least I had set that foundation for myself in the corporate world and then I went to go create a business also with a very consolidated time frame. So it's just the way that I've started. It's the way that I've done everything. So I haven't really known any different as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay. So let's dig into that a little bit. Cause I know that first of all, a bunch of people are like, wait a minute, you went from like 60 hours a week to 30. How? Right. So can you talk about being that transition and managing your time differently? And then if you want to go into how that transitioned into running your own business, feel free to do that as well. Yeah. So I was very stereotypical, that high achieving corporate ladder climbing girl, and I became a mom. And then I was like, oh, this doesn't work very well. Like it's really, really challenging. And I just was like, there has to be a better way to do this. There has to be a way 
for me to be able to do this job and make the money that I'm making because I really enjoyed my corporate salary, but still have time and space to be a mom in the capacity that I wanted to be and to live my life and do the other things in, in my life that I wanted to do. And so I really just was like, okay, how do I figure out how to do this? There has to be a way. And what I realized was in the corporate world, what's so prevalent is this idea of, I call it butt time. It's like (laughs) how many hours you're sitting in the chair, right? Time spent punching in the clock, that kind of idea. As if that is the value that you sitting in your chair is somehow for a certain number of hours per day is somehow valuable. And I started to really question that ideology and that belief system And what I came to, like the epiphany that I had that really was the catalyst for all of those results in my life were, was that they don't really care how much time I spend doing this. Like what my bosses really care about, the partners in my firm really care about is that I create a certain amount of results in the time that I'm here. And it's more about, about how and what I get done. What do I accomplish versus the number of hours that I spend accomplishing it. And so that gave me the wiggle room that I needed, the flexibility that I needed in my own mind to just start figuring out how do I get the same level of results, but do it with less time spent. Mm -hmm. My friend Melissa talks about this, and especially as it relates to moms in corporate, because she's like totally in agreement. She's like, we are like gauging completely the wrong metrics. And if we could shift the metrics or drop the metrics as they currently stand, all of a sudden moms would be truly recognized as the superheroes that they are (laughs) because they would be the ones to lead the charge in how to work a 60 hour work week in 30 hours. Totally. Right. Like we are the ones that like, I'm like so proud of myself that I did do that because I set a total different precedence inside of the firm. And what's so funny is when I was working in that corporate world, they used to do this thing, which now I like shudder at. It makes me I just like, well, I get almost sick to my stomach thinking about it, but they would do this thing where they would um, have like this meeting for everybody and they would show everyone's overtime hours sorted from high to low in a spreadsheet for like the entire company to see. And of course, who was the ones who were praised and Mm -hmm. treated as if they were the most valuable were the ones that were at the top of that spreadsheet, which was always me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I would be like competitive. I'm like the kid in school who was like, how do I get 110% on that test? So I would have been right there with you. Like I would have been vying for that with you. And then at a certain point, you're like, wait, why does this matter? Why is this the important thing? Yes. And I literally did ask myself this question. I was like, wait a minute, this thing that we're holding up on a pedestal is this amount of time that we're spending, but that is not what's driving any results in this business. What's driving results is what we're accomplishing in this business. So it was like, I just had this like flash in my brain in a meeting when we were doing this. And I decided in that moment, I am no longer working overtime hours. Like that's Mm. just a no for me. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm going to figure out how to do this job with zero overtime hours. And I did do that. And I ended up at the bottom of the spreadsheet. (laughs) And (laughs) how is that on the ego? was very challenging, right? Because I knew in their minds, my value was being at the top of the spreadsheet. But for me, my value was how do I still produce at the same level? Mm -hmm. I felt like I was even more valuable. Like I wasn't even on that spreadsheet anymore because the value that I was producing 
was the same. I just had figured out how to do it way more efficiently, way more productively. And so I wasn't having to spend the overtime hours. Yeah. Did they recognize, were they like, oh, like you're still this really high producer? Yeah, they really did. I mean, to give them a lot of credit, they really did understand that, you know, I mean, I literally had people come talk to me about like, are you like on speed or like drugs or like (laughs) legit? How are you getting this much done? And you're not working these crazy amounts of overtime. So it was like this mysterious thing, which in my mind, I knew exactly how I was doing it. But to the outside perception, it was very confusing. It was very strange. Mm. And it was because I was able to still create the same level of value that I was able to scale my work week back even further to 30 hours and still have a very high paying corporate salary. So I think that is the other thing that people, the message that I received. So if you're going after this in your own life, I want you to hear what I have to say about this too, is not accepting a lesser amount of money for a lesser number of hours as the only option. That's where that's not the negotiation. That's right. Negotiation is around production. That's right. And quality, not over how many, again, back to butts and chairs, like not how many hours you can sit in a chair. Exactly. And that is the way that I was able to maintain that high corporate salary, but just working a, an abbreviated work week to be able to do it. It was on me to be able to like produce at the same level. Like, and I was totally cool with taking responsibility for that and building my own capacity to be able to do that. But I think the message that I got so often at the very beginning was, well, yeah, you can go to a reduced work week, but you're not going to make nearly as much money. Mm-hmm. And it was unwilling to accept that as an option. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. 
This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Why are you so passionate about helping moms unbusy our lives? I'm imagining this is all connected to this journey yeah. that you went on of unbusying your corporate life. Yeah. And I think what really happened was for me, at least, and I noticed for many of my clients that have been on this journey is once you unbusy your life, you see your life in a different way and you actually are kind of seeing it for the first time. Like you've built this life. And I think we get so busy. We don't even know if we like the life that we've built. We just are like on autopilot, still maintaining it, still doing the same thing over and over again. Mm, yeah. But once you have space to think and to let yourself be inside of the life that you have, sometimes what you learn is you don't like the thing that you built, or maybe there's little pieces yeah. of it that you don't like. And, and you then also have the ability, because you have the space and the time, to make changes to it, which you never would have been able to do before. Yes. Because I think there's the autopilot nature of it. I also think that there is the speed and reactivity that comes with the yes. speed sometimes that doesn't, to your point, doesn't create that space for you to stop and think like, what do I like about this and not like about this? Like, how is this serving me or not serving me? And when we're in like super high speed, constant reactivity, we never slow down enough to be like, huh, <laughs> what's working and what's not. Right. And that was kind of like the realization that I had once I got to that lesser work week, I was like, oh, actually, I don't even know if I like doing this job anymore. <laughs> as it turns out. Right. As it turned out now that I stop and I think about it and look at the way this is and the lifestyle that I have to live in order to accommodate this schedule that I'm expected to, even though it was a lesser schedule, it still wasn't quite what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so then I had the ability to go out and try something different, which I did then go and I started my own business to teach other people how to do what I had done. And I really was able to create a hugely successful business very fast, working only 10 hours per week, because I knew how to use my time in a way where I could create a lot of results. I didn't need a lot of time to be able to do it in. Mm, oh my gosh. Can you give us a couple tips around? Because now I know people are like, what is the secret? Like, right, so what, exactly. Do you have a couple of tactical tips you could offer for whether it is like you just gave two really great examples, the cutting corporate, if you're in a corporate job or a traditional job, cutting your hours there, or if you're building your own thing and you want to be really intentional about making it 
you know, this really concise amount of time. What are your tips on that? And I also know this is like the nature of your, all of the work that you do. So if there's resources you want to point people to, please do. Yeah. I will point out a couple of resources, but I first want to answer your, your question. And I think the most important thing that I did was I asked myself two questions whenever I was thinking about creating my schedule or how I was going to use my time. And question number one, I don't think these are questions that we even think to think because I think what I've learned is people don't think they have choice in the answers of them. Mm. And so number one, the first question I asked myself is how much time do I actually want to be working? What do I want to get done? And what is the amount of time that I want to spend getting those things done? Now, when I pose this question to most people, what they'll say is, well, I have to work X hours. And there may be situations where like you are contracted to work 40 hours, let's say. And so that's fine. But then if you're working in excess of that, why are you choosing to work that? And I think it's because it's just this idea that there is the expectation or that I have to, or that I don't have choice in that. Mm-hmm. And if you just pause for a second and question that a little bit, yeah. whether that's actually true. And then thinking about what do I want to get done in those hours? Because what most people do is they ask themselves, what do I want to work on? Or what do I want to do in those hours? And subsequently, what happens is seems like a really like minutia thing, a subtle shift, but it's really, really important because if you focus your brain and your energy on doing things mm-hmm. and on working on things, you're going to have a lot of things in process and not as many things crossed off your list and done. But if you focus your brain power and your energy and schedule your time out to complete things, you're going to have way more things achieved and accomplished and done. I love that. Can I give an example of that before we go to the next yes. question? Yes. Because I went through this when my son was really little and I, <laughs> which maybe you can relate to this. And when I was pregnant, I was like, oh, I will work from home. I owned a gym at the time. I had a fitness business and I had trainers running the whole thing for me. I was going to take time off after he was born. And in my mind, he was going to just sleep in the ergo on my chest while I like did email all day. And I was like, this will be great. And then that was not the baby he was. He screamed all day long and I had all these nursing issues and it was just a disaster. for many months. And so what I would do every day at the same time, like there was behind the scenes stuff I had to do to keep like the company running, even though I didn't have to be on site at all. And I would get so panicky sometimes thinking through like, Oh my gosh, I'm so behind and I'm not doing these things and blah, blah, blah. And I would literally think like, okay, what are the two tasks that you need to complete today that will move the needle? So it was like, not like posting on social media, none of like no fluffiness. It was literally like, what are the two things that will make money (laughs) that you can get done in like a 20 minute block? And so it really eliminated so much other stuff because I had to be so discerning, which was really hard, but it also really showed me that's sometimes all you need. And we ended up actually having some like really successful metrics and markers during that season because I was like, I'm only focusing on like the 5% of things that are most significant and everything else is just not happening. Yeah. I love that example so much. And I think if you are doing or want to do business or a job on a very part-time schedule, that discernment muscle, really building that up is the key to success. And really thinking about like, is answering email for four hours a day, is that really the thing that is (laughs) 
Oh yeah. My no, autoresponder was on maternity leave for like, it was supposed to be on when I had him. I was like, Oh, I'll just put it on for like a couple of weeks. It stayed on for like six months. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, mama is out of the office. Like do not expect any emails from me. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that example so much. That was a brilliant example. So what's the second question? So the first question is how much time do I want to work or how much time do I want to spend doing this thing? And the second question is what do I want to get done? So, and you can always, you could reverse those two. Sometimes it's helpful to think about what do I want to get done? Number one. And instead of making a to-do list, I like to make a done list. Like Mm. at the end of my week, these are the things that I'm going to have completed. These nice. are the results that oh, I'm going to have. Love that. Yeah. Cause if you think about like to do's in most people's minds, because of the society that we live in, the to-do list feels very heavy. It feels overwhelming. It mm. feels unachievable. So instead of thinking about it that way, thinking about just like, what am I going to get done today? Or what am I going to get done this week? Whatever like time frame you're planning for. And then for all of those things on that list, the follow-up question would be how much time do I want to give myself to get this thing done? This is a very different question. And some of you are, are, when you hear me say that, are going to want to argue with that. And I totally get it (laughs) because I think we have this idea that a thing has a predetermined amount of time Mm -hmm. that it takes to get done. And the reality is that's not true because every single person is different And the way you approach it and how you figure out how to get it done will be different. So if you say like, okay, I'm going to give myself an hour and you commit to that hour, getting that thing done, you will figure out how to get it done in an hour. Yeah. Are you familiar with Parkinson's law? Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. So, which I've talked about on the show before, but as a refresher, Parkinson's law is that tasks will shrink and expand based on the amount of time that you give them. So, and I mean, I see this like every single day in my business and today's a great example. I have a child home sick. And I have a bunch of interviews and I have a bunch of other things that need to get crossed off the list before the weekend and that I need to cross off my done list, I should say. And today, this morning, I did something in like 10 minutes that normally I'd give myself an hour for. And I was like, we're getting the 10 minute version today. And when I was done with it, I was like, huh, that's just as good as the hour version I usually do. Like noted. (laughs) Now this is a 10 minute task. Isn't that fascinating? It's those situations and asking yourself the questions, like even once, if you have a system you have of getting something done, like let's say in an hour and you're like, huh, I wonder how I could get this done in 30 minutes. Even if you ask yourself that question, you're going to come up with innovation. You're going to come up with solutions that you would not have seen before because you just thought the thing needed to take an hour. So there's so much innovation. There's so much intellectual capital and possibility that could happen when you ask yourself these questions versus just thinking like, oh, it should take two hours or it's going to, I hear this all the time. It took me longer than what I thought that it would. Well, why is that? Like, what were you doing inside of that time? How did you decide the amount of time up front? There's lots of questions to ask to evaluate that. Right. I will say there's not been a ton of gifts in this pandemic, but, and it's been hard for me to to be like, it was really great when my child was home for months on end doing virtual learning. But I will say that I learned how to do so many things in 20 minute blocks because that's how frequently he would interrupt me. And it kind of went back to having a newborn where I was like, every 20 minutes, I have to make sure he's on a zoom call. I have to do like, make sure he has something printed out. Like, so my days were super interrupted, which was absolutely maddening in the moment, but it really got me back in that mode that I hadn't had to be in, in a while of like, how quickly can you knock things out? 
And how also back to, and as a high achiever, you might appreciate this. How can I practice doing like Brooke Castillo? Oh, you know, Brooke Castillo, how frequently can I practice doing B minus work versus trying to do 110%? And does anyone notice or care? And so if I can like do a social poster, an email or whatever, and it has a few typos or like, it's not a A plus email, but it's a B minus email. And the message is still like shining through and people get great impact and messaging from it. And it's still like, it accomplishes its goal of supporting people. Then I've met the mark there and I did it in 20 minutes and that counts for something. And so that while the pandemic has been so hard in so many ways, there's been some moments around that, that I think have actually created uh, power and empowerment for some of the us that have had to work from home and be so diligent around time for us to see that like, yeah, we can do things in these shorter time frames, And also it's okay if they're not quite as good. Totally. Yeah. This comes up all the time when I'm coaching people. Cause I do coach a lot of high achieving individuals. <laughs> yes. With the type A crowd over here that I yes, attract as well. Exactly. Yes. I'm a master certified coach with the life coach school. So I know Brooke very well. And this idea of B minus work really like literally changed my world. Thinking about that was part of how I scaled back my work week is like, what is good enough? Like Mm -hmm. what is the goal of this thing? And to what level of perfection does it really need to be in order to deliver the thing that it's supposed to deliver and thinking about, okay, is it good enough to be able to do that versus like spending more and more time trying to edit and perfect it and make it, you know, something like what is the extra value that someone's going to get from this, me spending another five hours editing and perfecting it? Is it worthwhile? And women are not socialized to do good enough. No, men. Cool. Good enough is great. Women like good enough is not quite We try a little harder. Right. So that's a really hard concept for us. And something that I think we've just had to do over the course of the pandemic is this good enough. And once you start doing it though, it gets a little addictive. You're like, oh, like I can be just a little more mediocre every single day and think, and the world keeps spinning. Totally. Yeah. And I just was, so inside of my 10K and 10 hours mastermind, we were talking about this B minus work because they want to perfect everything that they want to do. And they want to like not put it out into the world until it's perfect. And so we had this discussion about it. And one of my students found one of the coaches in our community, high profile coach, who's making, I think $5 million this year. And there's this big typo on her website. And we were like, yeah, if you can have typos and make $5 million a year, like where you're at right now, you can also have typos and you'll be you can totally be successful. Like it doesn't even really matter. Yes. Um, really thinking about what does matter. And I think also what's really helpful is I ask people, what does good enough look like? Like, how do you know that it's good enough? Mm, that's like, a great question. Right. And nobody has an answer to it. It's <laughs> I know. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> it's like this undefined thing that we're striving for that we don't even know if we get there because we've never yeah. defined it for ourselves. I think making that I'm like wheels are turning in my head. Cause I'm like, you're so right. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Your approach to productivity and time is different than a lot of the productivity gurus. So can you share a little bit about why quote unquote managing our schedule doesn't get to the root problem that a lot of moms are facing when it comes to productivity? I don't really talk about 
the word productivity anymore because it's so highly charged for so many people. Mm. And I really hate the roots of it. Honestly, if you look at, I study a lot of philosophy and history because a lot of our belief systems, where, where, where we're operating now collectively as a society in the things that we are assuming are true come from a lot of historical things and philosophy from that history. And so productivity really comes from the industrial age. And so in my mind, it's really an outdated idea in the way that it was designed to be used back then. So when I think about productivity now, I think about I'm being productive if I'm getting what I want to get done in the amount of time I decided to get it done. And I think that's a really open, flexible definition that anyone can use and make whatever makes sense for them. But I think the path to that is scheduling. And here's the reason why I think scheduling is like the how to that. When you schedule, you're making decisions about what you're doing in your time, what you're getting done in your time ahead of time. And that means you're using your prefrontal cortex, which is the higher quality part of your brain to make those decisions. Instead of sitting down at your computer, maybe first thing in the morning and asking yourself, what should I do today? Like that is such a loaded question for your mind. They probably like, if you just like a Pandora's box happens, Mm -hmm. all this stuff, like just comes flooding out versus if you've already pre-decided your schedule, what you're going to get done and the amount of time that you're going to give yourself, all you need to do is like open up your planner or your Google calendar or whatever. And you're like, okay, what am I, what's next? What's next? And you just like follow through on it. You don't have to use that thinking your brain power in making those decisions. You're going to use your brain power on executing on the decisions that you already made for yourself. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, 
possibility and joy. And the difference, the mental energy between like, what should I do right now versus like, these are the three things I'm doing today. Like there's no comparison. And especially for moms who are already so overwhelmed with decision fatigue at every turn of the day to not have to sit down and be like, what should I do out of 572 options versus here's my three things. And that's something I've worked on for years because I can't do the mental gymnastics every single day. So it really is like, here's my three things that move. And it goes back to that same thing from when my son was a baby. What are my three things that are going to move the needle? And then there's going to be a whole bunch of other things like, and I always use that example of like vacuuming the house or doing laundry or whatever, like the things that like, if they get done fine, if they don't get done, the world's not going to stop spinning. They're always going to be on the list, but they're like super low tier and very non-critical. They can often be safe things that waste time if we don't prioritize those top, those three things that move the needle or however many you decide for your day. So really being clear on what am I doing? When am I doing it? And knowing that from the get-go so that we don't have these little places where we escape and we're like, I'm just going to like do some laundry first. And like, and then at the end of the day, be like, what did I even do anything? Yeah, totally. And I think, I mean, also in my opinion, scheduling is a self-care tool Mm. because when you're scheduling out your time, you're really considering the future you who's going to be executing on that. So, and you're thinking about taking care of you and moving yourself forward towards your goals and your dreams versus just reacting to what the world brings you each day. Yeah. That makes so much sense. What do traditional jobs teach moms about guilt and keeping us busy? Oh my gosh. I have like a list of things, but... (laughs) I want the whole list. Give us as many as you have time for. I'm very excited about the list. Oh my gosh. This is like, I feel like this is an entire podcast, just this, but I mean, some of the main ones are like, we should do dot, 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 or we should do it all. Mm -hmm. Other people rely on us. We're responsible for other people, other people's feelings, other people's results, other people's whatever fill in the blank there. Yeah. Just because we can do all the things we should. Right. I really feel like Women are these high, high capacity humans, and we have the ability to take on a lot. And just because we can, then we also are kind of socialized to think that we should. Yes. I think that is, of all things, what keeps us in the too busy mode Mm -hmm. is just because we are high capacity, we are high achieving, like we're in the world doing a million things, taking care of kids and taking care of parents and, and building businesses and doing these high level jobs, all these things. But sometimes we need to pause and think, okay, just because I can do that, does it make sense? Do I want to, yeah. do I need to do that? Do I need to take that on? I think the pandemic has also really reinforced this idea oh, that yes. in such a dangerous way, because yes. I think we have so many moms who are so incredibly burnt out because we have just taken on more and more and more and more. And then you're like, well, everyone's still alive in the house. So I guess it's working. So I'll just keep doing more and more and more and more. And it's, I think, long-term really, really costly to our mental health and to the way that we are able to participate in relationships in terms of how we parent in our marriages and our ability to even have a social circle or friendships because we're so tired at the end of all the other things that we're doing that we don't have capacity for relationships outside our household. So I appreciate that. And I think I absolutely agree that corporate America has laid the groundwork for that. And then the pandemic just like massively reinforced it. Yeah. 
it's unfortunate. I see so many women who are so burnt out at this point. They were already close to that yes. and the pandemic yeah. hit and it was like done, right? Mm-hmm. Like puddle on the floor yep. at the end of the day. And it's unfortunate that so many of us took on the responsibility of teaching children yeah. <laughs> when not that that was unfortunate, but then we took that on top of everything else that we were doing instead of maybe thinking about like, or having the opportunity to maybe let something go in order to take on this new role, mm-hmm. we just like added it to the list. And we're so good at what we do. We're so good at adding to that list that we just go and we do it. Yeah. And we just keep going and we keep moving forward, doing all the things, adding more and more to the pile. And that's where I think then we get used to doing that pile. And then a new thing comes in and we're like, well, I can probably add that too. Yeah. And it's like this vicious cycle. It's almost like this creep. I think that happens where we don't necessarily notice it day to day, but you look back down the mountain and you're like, oh yeah, over the last three years, I've taken on all of these things. And now here I am. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you do, there becomes this critical point of resentment and that has to come out in some way where all of a sudden you recognize how tired, maybe not all of a sudden, but over time you recognize how tired you are or how overwhelmed or how burnt out you are. And then you're mad at yourself that you let it get to that point. And you're mad at other people in your life that didn't step up to be like, Whoa, Hey, like, why don't you let me take this on? And then all sorts of struggles can come out of that. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that was one that was on my list too, was feeling guilty or even shameful for asking for help. As if that means there's something wrong with us that we shouldn't need to ask for help or want to ask for help. I think that is also a big thing that I see that keeps us in that too busy mode. That, and then the other thing that just came up for me when, when you were saying that was we as women, I think have been socialized to take responsibility for other people's feelings. Yes. (laughs) When I say that, I mean, it's like, okay, we're responsible for our kids being happy or not happy. We're responsible for our team to feel like motivated or not motivated or not to make them feel bad or make them feel comfortable. Like in all these places in our lives, it's like, we've been told we are the gatekeeper for other people's emotional life. And that is a heavy burden to bear And it's not even something that we are actually capable of doing, although we've been told that we are. So we have this misconception in our mind that somehow we're able to create someone else's feeling or prevent a feeling that we think that they shouldn't have for themselves. Yeah. I have to give a quick example of that because this was like so ridiculous when I realized I was doing it. My son was a baby who screamed all the time. As soon as he would start screaming, if my husband was home, I was like, especially sensitive to it. Like, oh, I have to like hurry up and get him so that my husband is not bothered by his screaming. And this was not even a conscious thought process at first. After a while, I recognized that like, I did not want my husband to be uncomfortable with the screaming baby in the house because then he might think maybe we shouldn't have, have had this child. And so I was like constantly trying to be this buffer anytime the baby cried. And after a number of months, I recognized this. And I said, I pointed it out to my husband and he was like, are you kidding me? Like we jointly decided to have a child. You are not at all responsible for him actually crying. Like, why would you think? And I didn't even realize I'm like, Oh, this is just me like being 
this woman being responsible for someone else's feelings and not wanting you to be uncomfortable. So I will just manage it every single time the baby cries. And as soon as we both realized that we were like, he, I mean, he was like, please stop. And I had to like really check myself to be like, he can go pick up the crying baby. It's fine. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful example. This happens all over the place. Like I am coaching a like eight figure entrepreneur and her team. And what we're realizing is there's so much that's been happening inside their organization that's causing problems because they're worried about people feeling Mm -hmm. a certain way in decisions that they make. So it makes it really hard to make decisions. And then they feel really bad when things don't go the way that they want and they want to hold someone accountable for it. But it's all driven by trying to protect someone's feelings. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens in the corporate world a lot. So if you're someone who's in the corporate world and you're thinking like, oh my gosh, I would like to scale back my work week, but I'm concerned that someone's going to be disappointed in me or they're going to think or feel a certain way about me. Like think about if you just set aside someone else's feelings, what decision would you make just to see the truth of it without that obstacle in the way? Right. Yeah. It's a big aha. And then like, once you realize that you're like, holy cow, I think I need a lifetime of therapy to like undo this thing. Cause and I would say this is like a really like high, like feminist, like smash the patriarchy, progressive woman. And I catch myself in this stuff all the time. And I'm like, damn it. Like, I thought I wasn't like that. I don't want to be like that. I thought I had like done the work to not be that way. And here we are. I'm like, let me just make a casserole now. (laughs) I think that's such a a good point that you make. Like until you're aware that that's, that there's that thinking in your brain, you can't know or see the behavior that is being driven by it. So I think it's a matter of like just being reflective. This is why I think coaching is so, so powerful is because your coach can see is outside of your fishbowl and can see for you what you can't see mm-hmm. and can point that out. And then once you know, you have to have the awareness first before you can change anything. So figuring out like doing your own self-coaching or hiring a coach to be able to coach you so that you can see some of that stuff that's in your mind because we all like... We grew up in the fishbowl together. Of course, we're going to think some of these things. Of course, these are things that are inside of us. We just don't necessarily see them until certain things happen. And maybe we do, or somebody points them out to us. And then once we have the awareness, then we can go about making changes if we want to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Neil, this has been such a fabulous conversation. I could ask you like 37 more questions, but I'm going to respect your time and not. (laughs) Can you tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? (laughs) Yes. So I am not, I am shameless in the fact that I am okay with working a very little amount of time and making a shit ton of money and love it. (laughs) I really am like very open about all of that, my schedule and the amount of money that I'm making inside my business. And I also am very open with sharing that with my child. It's very important to me that he see the day-to-day of a business, what it takes. I literally tell him every single time we make money, I share my P&L with him. And he has now started his own little business, which is super fun. How old is he? He's 12. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mine's not. First sale this week, which we I took him out to celebrate last night for dinner, which was super fun. Oh, so fun. Yeah. So I really am shameless in that way, but I also am shameless in the fact that I share all of my fails with him too. I share with him how I'm feeling 
And when a day sucks because, you know, I didn't make the sales that I wanted to, or I didn't meet my goals or whatever, I share all of that with him mm-hmm. for him to see the full scope of it. I don't prettyify it. I really just am giving him like the full scope experience. And I'm also doing that with all of my students. And on Instagram, I actually have a series that I'm doing called 50 Fails, where I'm sharing all of my failures to change, help change that conversation about what failure really means about us and success. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. So I know that everyone's going to want to go follow you on social media, on Instagram now to follow your 50 fails. So please tell us where to connect with you on Instagram to follow that. But then also tell us what you offer folks, where people can connect with you and how like resources or anything else you want to point people to. Yeah. So my Instagram handle is at Neil Williams coach. That's N E I L L Williams coach. And right now, a couple different things. So you could go to my website at www.neilwilliams.com and get my 30-day business planner, which is designed to be able to do business working 10 hours per week. I give you, you know, starting for 30 days to start your business if you wanted to, or if you're starting a new offer inside of your business, how you would like do that offer in a 10 hour a week schedule. That planner would be super invaluable for you. It give you the schedule, it give you the done lists, all the things. And if that's of interest to you, or you are someone who wants to do a business in a very simplified, quick and effective way, my 10K and 10 hours mastermind might be something that you're interested in as well. And again, you can find the information for all of that on my website. And lastly, you could listen to my own podcast called Unbusy Your Life. Oh my goodness. So many great resources. I know everyone's going to go stalk you now, which I highly approve of. Neil, thank you so much for being here. This I know is going to help so many of our listeners shift their relationship with time and productivity in a way that is going to not only create mental ease and space for healthier mental health, but also just create permission around really letting us reimagine how we show up and how we designate time and energy to different things throughout our day in order to just feel more fulfilled in the ways that we want to feel fulfilled. So I'm so grateful for you to take that you took the time to come here today. Oh my gosh, Sarah, thank you for letting me be here. It was amazing. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
when it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.